Amen. 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 Today I want to talk about the necessity of being a committed Christian. The necessity. Somebody say necessity. necessity. Yeah, necessity of being a committed Christian. Let's go before God. Thank you, Father, for your mercy and your grace and commitment, uh, commitment that flows from you. And God, as we dive into this time, thank you for what you're doing in our midst, people committing to the local church, people committing um, their lives to Christ, people committing to service, people committing to represent your reign where they live and dwell. And so, God, I pray that this would be a nurturer, a clarifier, and an encouragement to what that means to, to grow and to look more like you. That's what the goal is, is to be shaped and formed in the image and likeness of Jesus Christ. That's what it's about. And so, God, give us clarity from your word. We need clarity from your word. That's what the teaching moment, that's what the preaching moment is for. That's why you told Timothy through Paul to preach the word in season and out of season. In other words, never stop doing it. And so that's what we want to do today. So let the words of my mouth and the meditations of my heart be acceptable in your sight, O oh God, our strength and our Redeemer in whom we trust and help us not to just be hearers of the word, deceiving ourselves, but nurture us and be the potter of our souls that we can be effectual doers of your word. In Jesus' mighty name we pray. Everybody agree with that said? Amen. Amen. You may be seated. You may be seated in the presence of the living God. Um, you know, it's, uh, in, our, in, our, in our time, we, we are um, in a time of shifting standards, um, shifting definitions of all different types of things in our world. And uh, what, what we find ourselves in is in a society and in a place where people want to change things and nurture things in life based on their view of it versus God's view of it. And so um, I, I remember having people and people in my life and people around me and even family members who would be, I mean, together with somebody for years, living with them for like 25, 30 years, never getting married, having kids, buying a house together, sharing credit and all of these different things. And, and, and you'd ask them, man, why in the world would you just never get married? They said, well, our commitment to each other is better than people who say they're committed to each other. So what we did was we didn't get married so it wouldn't mess up our commitment. I was like, oh, okay, you know, okay. Commitment messes up commitment. I don't understand that, but um, okay, that, 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 that does make some kind of sense. Um, it's many of us who have started things in our life that God has pushed us into and called us into, but we don't finish them that way God wants us to finish them or finish them at all because of an issue of commitment, commitment, commitment. Um, uh, um, um, I remember being in school and not studying for a test, and several of us didn't study for the test, and the whole school, the whole class did bad, and the teacher was mad at us, and the teacher ended up grading on a curve, changing the standard because of our lack of commitment. Uh, um, 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 but but the, the issue is that that teacher may have changed the standard, but when you're in Christ, the standard doesn't get changed. When you come to know Jesus Christ as Savior, God is trying to bring you up to the standard, not bring the standard down to you. See, being a, being a, being a believer is about what Christ has done by fulfilling the standards, by fulfilling the standards so that we can walk in his fulfillment of the standards. If, in other words, Jesus doesn't dumb things down to bring us up. My father ministry tells a story about his son, uh, 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 at 11 years old said, uh, Dad, I, I want to show you that I can dunk the ball. 
And when, and when, he, and when he, and he said, man, dunk the ball, he said, okay. He brings him in and Shorty grabs the ball and goes and does Air Jordan jump, boom, slams it. And it's like, wow, that was impressive. The only problem with that is, is that he had told the janitors at the church to lower the goal so that he could be able to dunk the ball. And so Pop told him, he said, listen, we're not going to lower the goal. What I'm going to do is I'm going to raise the goal back up to 12 feet and you begin to practice and build up your muscles so that you can begin to get to the point where you're able to slam dunk. In other words, he didn't want to make him think he was accomplishing something by lowering the standard for him to be able to dunk. He says, let's bring you up to the standard, not the standard down for you. And the problem with many of us as Christians is we want standards brought down to us. We want, we want relationship standards to come down to where we are. We want sexual standards to come uh, down to where we are. We want gender standards to come down to where we are. We want the church standards to come down to where we are. We want the Bible standards to come down where we are. We want masculinity to come down to where we are. We want biblical femininity to come down where we are. We want economic standards to come down. Everybody want to deal. In other words, everybody in their life wants things to be brought to them versus them being brought up to it. And so, and so, so commitment, <laughs> commitment is God's call in our life for him to bring us along to his standards. In, 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 in uh, 2 Peter chapter 2, uh, 2 Peter chapter 2 verse uh, around the, uh, 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 2 Peter chapter 2 around the fourth verse, it says, um, in your faith, add to your faith moral excellence. Moral excellence means that we can be committed to a standard. When you become a believer, God gives you the wherewithal and the audacity to be committed. So commitment is not something God is asking you to do. It's something that he's given to you to do. There's a difference. That's why you have everything you need in you through Christ for life and godliness. So you don't have to wallow around in frustration because God is so great is there's nothing that he asks you to do or commands you to do that he hasn't empowered you to do. <laughs> and so we come to a passage of scripture that is a classic <coughs> passage of scripture where people try to utilize the book of Acts as the model for the church. <laughs> And they say, this is where we want to get the church back to when it was pure. And I'm like, well, you ain't read the New Testament. <laughs> because the church was pretty darn messy. It, 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 it was pretty darn messy. See, some, some, some of us are looking for the utopia church experience. <laughs> so what you do is you go from one mess as a mess to another mess. And then when it's a mess there, you go from that mess as a mess to another mess. But, but what happens is, is mess doesn't let you know it's mess on the front end. <laughs> and so in order to see a mess, you got to hang around because you won't see the mess just around you. You'll see the mess that's in you. But what I like about the book of Acts is it's God's work of the Holy Spirit on us, not us on him. In other words, the, acts of, the book of Acts is not the acts of the apostles, but it's the acts of God through the Spirit upon his people. I, I like that right there. See, see, I don't know about you, but I need all kinds of Holy Ghost oil in my life. Uh, I don't know about you. I need the Holy Ghost to work now. Now, we got to recognize that there are three witnesses. Somebody say three witnesses. The Bible's not only, real quick lesson, the Bible's not just set up in creation for redemption. It's set up in the format of presentation of persons in the Godhead that's one. It's first presented with God the Father, then it's presented with God the Son, then it's presented with God the Spirit. Are you tracking with me? So in, in Genesis to Malachi, even though we see theophanies of Jesus and epiphanies of Jesus, 
Ultimately, God the Father is the vast communicator of all truth between him and man in the Old Testament. But then throughout the Gospels, the first person of the Trinity hands the, the baton of vocalizing the voice of the Godhead over to God the Son. And the Bible says, and the word became flesh and dwelt among us. And we beheld his glory, glory as the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. Then it says, no one has seen God except for the only begotten God of the Father who is explaining him. Jesus Christ came to explain all that God was talking about in the Old Testament so that we can see it more clearly and have it fulfilled in him. But then in Acts chapter 1, Jesus Christ steps on a cloud and he surfs to heaven and he just tells them to go in Jerusalem and wait on the promise from the Father. And so what happens is, is now on the day of Pentecost, the ghost of God comes in and baptizes the entire church into the body of Christ so that now that the activity of the Godhead is mediated through Christ by way of the Spirit. So what you have is God the Father first, then you have God the Son second, and, and then you have God the Spirit. Now, the blasphemy of the Holy Spirit, this for free, is rejecting the last witness of the Godhead. So, so if you reject the Spirit, you can't get saved. Help, help me today. And so, and so the last witness of the Godhead, when, he's when he pulls back, it's all over, family. And so we come here to this passage of him in his, in his working in the church in its infant state. And Luke is talking to Theophilus so that he can get a good framework of where, why his faith should be placed in Christ. That was in the book of Luke. Acts is a continuation functionally of the book of Luke. Now what he's doing is telling him, I don't just want you to know why your faith should be put in Christ. Now I want you to see how you walk out your faith in Christ. So, so, so we see here, based on my, this brings me to my first point about commitment, <coughs> God's people are called to definitive commitment. Somebody say definitive. definitive. God, God's people, we are called to definitive commitment. It's interesting as I go through this passage and we go through this passage and I look at these verses and I've read them pantheons of times, but I'm just noticing one of the most simple things in the verse that really is the shaper and definer of the entire book. When you look at verse 42, it says here, it says, and they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, the fellowship, to the breaking of bread, and the prayers. This word the here is very important for what it's defining for us. This uh, is not an authoress for my English majors, but it's Authorist, meaning that it has a definitive article there to clarify something as being distinct. The reason why it's distinct is because we, have, we are people that have been all over the place, and we need some things defined and clarified. In, 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 other, in other words, when God came on the scene uh, through Jesus Christ, and, and, and Jesus Christ came past, uh, 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 your, your boy um, uh, John said, behold, the Lamb of God, not a Lamb of God. Now, those are two different things. See, 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 a Lamb is what was in the Old Testament. But the Lamb defines and shuts down the need for anything else. Let me just tell you something, when God provides something for you, when he provides salvation for you, when he puts a the in front of it, you don't need anything else orbiting it. 
or you miss your shouting moment because this is what shuts down idolatry in your life. If you recognize that everything that God has created is a the, everything that the Satan tries to manufacture is a. Because A is many, but the is definitive. The points of definitiveness and and stability, A uh, has you all over the place. The gives you clarity and focus. A has you tossed to and fro. The stabilizes you in the midst of mess. A has you all over the place on sinking sand. If you recognize that everything that God provides is definitive and different than everything that you ever had, once you have his it's nothing else like it ever again. Let me see if I can make it plain because y'all looking at me like a deer in headlights. Um, I, I'm a burger connoisseur. I'm a burger connoisseur. I have an anointed palate for burgers. Just letting you know right now. All right, and, 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 and the burger that, defined, that redefined my palate. You, got, you know, it's sometimes you eat something and it shifts your palate. You know what I'm saying? It's shifting of the atmosphere of your palate. Amen. So I went to Max Brenner's on 15th Street. And um, first off, I love the wings there, amen. The smoky ones with the sauce on them, amen. I like that. But, but they have a Max Brenner burger there. Now they have a regular USA grade A beef, that's good meat, good meat. But then they have Kobe beef burger. And so I got the, co- I said, they got a big round, some Kobe beef. You know, that's the finest beef in the world. That's a $10 burger. It better be good. Amen. <laughs> um, so, so, so I got my, my burger medium, not well done, but I wanted there to be some flavor coming out of it. I want a beefified ministry. Amen. And then what I got on it is crumbled blue cheese to melt just a little bit on it. Then lay and fold over the applewood bacon. Little bit of barbecue sauce, pickle on the side, toasted bun on it, clat out. So I, 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 and then they got a nerd to put a little onion ring on top of it. So I pull, you know a burger's big when they put a toothpick up in it. And so, and so I took the toothpick out and I smashed and anointing just came out of it, right? It, it just, it, oil just came out of it. And, 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 and then, and then, and then, come back. <laughs> And then I bit the burger. Now, you know something's good when you bite it and you push back from the table. And you say, you say, you, you was like this, you just take off your thing and just go like that. And you just sit there and chew like a cow to bring in all the flavors. <coughs> but what happened to me that day is I was forever messed up. Because at Max Brenner, I didn't have a burger. I had the burger. So if somebody, so if I go to McDonald's, it's just weird to me now. If I go to, if I go to Wendy's, it, it, it's just, Wendy's is all right. But, but in, in other words, that burger defined what quality was to the point to where I couldn't, my palate was cursed from ever being able to have anything that was substandard on my palate ever again. When God comes in your life through Jesus Christ, (laughs) he changes your palate and you can't eat all the same things that you just used to eat. You can't go the same places that you used to go. 
You can't talk about the things that you used to talk about. You can't do, because what happens to you is God messes you up in a good way. Oh, oh don't get mad if he's messing you up. If, he, if he's messing you up, listen, when, it's some stuff you ain't going to be able to watch no more. See, when you start growing spiritually, you, you, you begin to say, that don't do for me what it used to. You, you'll be in a relationship with somebody, and you'll taste and see that the Lord is good. and You'll be like, you know what? This is not what it used to be for me because I've been shifted in my palate, and I can't be with you anymore. Oh, that helps somebody right there, but you got quiet, didn't you? Don't be afraid of the gourmet nutrients of the kingdom. Yeah, so, 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 so when God changed us, so, so he, he's in the thus. And so what he gives us is four thus that are definitively changed when you become a believer. That he calls us to commit to. The first the is the or the apostles' teaching. In other words, when you become a believer, you are now put in the sphere of absolute truth. In other words, you can't just be up on some information. That means that God's word is going to start coming up against everything in your life. <laughs> Let me tell you something. And it's going to reveal, that's if you want to commit to him. When you commit to Jesus Christ, it says, the Bible says, and they were devoting themselves. Let me, let me break down devote real quick. It means to stick to it. It means to persist in and to hold on to with diligence. Help me today, God. In other words, when you got saved, you got the ability to understand God's word. So when they were getting taught the apostles' teaching, it wasn't just a good word. It wasn't just something to get them through the week. It was something to point them to eternity. And so the apostles' teaching was the absolute truth to shut down everything in their life that would parade itself as right information. Listen, in a day where truth is relative, you better be careful, Christian, that you don't allow yourself to be malleable in the mindset of the world. Because the word of God is, listen, every, you ain't going to understand everything in the word of God. See, this is what you got to be careful of. Because you don't understand something in the word of God, you see, see, but in our culture, we base truth on its understandability. On the front end. Now, you have to understand that if God is inexhaustible, then what he says is. God is so deep that when you hear what he says, you didn't fully hear all that he said when he said it. Help me. Uh, you know what I'm saying? See, God, God's so weighty, he can drop a nugget, and it really be a, a, a chicken breast. <laughs> That's how God works. I know, food, just leave me alone. Um, <laughs> they're good illustrations, though. Um, see, 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 and you got to be careful <coughs> of basing what God says on your ability to get your mind fully around it. <laughs> because what the world would do, see, the world is good at this because they are finite. So the world will always give you stuff that you can understand because there's no depth to it. But see, but see when, when you're in God's word, God's word is, God, God's word is so deep that it, it's like, it, enough, help me today, God. God's word, when he spreads it and sows it on something, 
can just germate over and over. God's word is the only word that can be planted, grow, bear fruit, drop more seeds from just one word, build up other trees. They grow up, drop fruit off, put more seeds, and just continue to bear. See, that's why the Bible says about the parable of the soils that the one who bore fruit um, uh, grew uh, how many fold? Over and over and over again, and still you will never grow into the inexhaustible nature of one word of what God has given you. And you're going to take some stupid word from the world, like, see what they say about God? What you going to say about that? But they don't, like, you can't wrap your mind over the mind of God. And so, and so, and so, but, but, but that doesn't mean that it's not understandable on a level where you can commit to it as truth. That, see, that's the difference. It's not like, I don't know. I don't know nothing. Like, we're not, like, like this, when, when Christians aren't, like, mental mutes. We have a mind that he's given us. Yet we know that our mind can't lift on certain levels. In other words, your, your mind is, your spiritual mind is like a muscle. That means if you ain't been in the gym in a while, I used to lift, I used to bench press 315 on the incline. So when I, I can't just go on there though and do that today. I get on there, go all like that. Folks like, help him, help him. I'm like, help, help. Um, my muscles haven't gotten up to the weight class yet, but they have to lift on its level. That's the same way your spirit is about the word of God. As you grow in lifting the word of God, you grow in the bandwidth of what you can receive and understand. And so they were committing themselves to the apostles' teaching, not just doctrinal regurgitation. Because some of us like doctrine. We want to say, I like this church pastor. You know, and I, I listen to y'all. My old church, I just listen to you because you may go off on me one day. So, um, you know, my old church, see, I like you, Pastor Macy, because you know you treat the well. I'm like, okay, we'll see in five years how you treat me and you go somewhere else and talk bad about my old pastor. That's me. But anyway, that was for free. But, um, you know, but, 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 but what's interesting is many of us like a sound word informationally, but not practically. <laughs> It's called healthy doctrine, not just because it's right. It's called healthy doctrine because it's medicine for your soul. To bring health, not just to be health. And so, and so when he said they were committing themselves to the apostles' teaching, they were committed to being healthy. Ah. <laughs> See, to be a Christian, you got to commit to being healthy. And before you can get healthy, you got to admit you're sick. You got to admit that something's wrong with you. Yes. See, some of y'all problem, you don't know, you, you ain't nothing wrong with me. I'm all right. I'm blessed and highly favored. Listen, y'all know, I'm going to tell you, I'm hurting, I'm frustrated. Listen, because I, you can't get healed without admitting. Go to the doctor and you got a cold and tell him, he'll say, why are you here? I'm just, the Lord is powerful. <laughs> you be like, huh? Why you come here? You know what I'm saying? Why you come? That's the same way it is to come to, why are you going to come to the gathering of the saints to hear from what you don't need to be healed from. And so what they were committing themselves to when they committed themselves to the apostles' teaching was not just doctrinal implantation, but lifestyle transformation. I got to move. We can stay on that for a while. Next, they were committing themselves, so they were committing themselves to the apostles' teaching. Let me just say this. Matthew 28, verse 20 says, 
that Jesus said, when disciples are being made, I want you to teach them everything that I've taught you. That's very important. That means that the apostles were beginning the trajectory for them understanding the full-bodied nature of all of the Word of God. And that's very, very important for us to be exposed to that. So the apostles' teaching. Then it went from there to uh, not, not only the apostles' teaching, but it says, then it says, uh, the fellowship. And, 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 so, and so in other words, when you become a Christian, your commitment becomes definitive when it comes to truth. The truth, not a truth, among many truths. We're not inclusivists, okay? But then what, what happens next is now you are to be committed definitively to the fellowship. Now, what does it mean by that? In other words, when you become a believer, what nurtures your soul relationally changes? In, in other words, when you become a believer, your core spiritual relationships must shift. Must shift. So, so because it's the fellowship, it's, it's different than hanging out with your friends after work. It's different than going on vacation with some old high school friends. It's different than for those of you who parade happy hours. And different. It's different than that. It's different than when you used to go to the club. It's different when you used to go um, in, Fair, in Fairmont Park and sit and listen to some slow jams and hold hands and slob each other down under the light. It's different than that. It's different than holding somebody's hand walking across the schuylkill. It's different than all of the damaging relationships that you've been in. When you become a believer, your relationship at changes. It changes. And, and, and therefore, because the matrix of your soul is now different and it doesn't receive the same things. Now, your flesh can receive a whole bunch of stuff, but your spirit can't receive because it's on a different frequency. When you're walking with the Lord in the spirit, you are walking in the eternal frequency that is knowledgeable of foolishness. See, some of y'all foolishness quotient need to be turned on. See, God has put in us, through Jesus, an antivirus scan that scans for foolish relationships. That means when you become a believer and you're committed to the fellowship, you, you, even if it's a six-pack coming at you, ladies, somebody say, woo! You're looking at the heart above and behind the pecs. Because what happens is, is you better be careful of fellowshipping with the flesh and not recognizing the spirit. Fellas, she can have what BBD says. Y'all know what I'm talking about. And poison. And she can have all of that. And she can have brick house ministry. But at the end of the day, if she's not filled with the ghost of God, if she ain't filled with the word of God, that's not fellowship for you. I mean, like, you sure, Pastor? You sure? (laughs) You sure? Right? <laughs> that means you allow yourself to be put in challenging scenarios with godly people who ask you hard questions, things that you don't want to be asked. I hate the dudes that hold me accountable sometimes. I hate them. Because they'll ask me anything. I want to just take all their teeth out with, a, with my fist, just go through their spinal But I, you know what? I know they, I'm just being, see I, see, I know I need healthiness. So I'm confessing so I can get healed. Now, you can look at me funny if you want to. 
and, 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 but when they talk to me, I, you know, I am so angry with them. Because I'm like, how are you going to just call me out like that? But then when I back up, I'm like, that was good for me, man. You know, and that's what the fellowship does. The fellowship does it. The fellowship also encourages you beyond you're going to be all right. See, everything going to be all right ain't a word. That ain't a word. You need to, when you're going through something, everything's just going to work out. I'm like, that ain't what, like. I, I need somebody to say, many are the afflictions of the righteous, and the Lord delivers them. You need somebody to stand with their hand on their hip and point in your face and, and cut you with the word of God and encourage you in the Lord. See, that's what the fellowship does. The fellowship is so, it's encouraging, it's challenging, it's brutal, and it's messy, but it glorifies Christ. I wish I could just get past the second the, but when I think about how powerful it is to be a growing Christian, when I think about how powerful it is to be committed in relationships, when I think about all that God has made available to us in Christ, I ain't got time for foolishness no more. Help me today, God. They were committed to the apostles' teaching. They were committed to the fellowship. And they were committed to the breaking of bread. What a powerful premise. This is connected to community because the breaking of bread happened in the context of community or fellowship. Um, But breaking of bread means that in those relationships, it was centered on what Christ had done for them. And they were always being focused worshipfully on what Christ had done as a reminder for them to be challenged and committed to a sacrificial life. They were were committed to the breaking of bread, which points to worship. And then worshiping together and taking their meals together later, it was saying, taking the Lord's Supper together ultimately is really what this points to powerfully, which inferentially points us to gospel-centered living, which is powerful to have broken down for us in the context of glorious relationships, the breaking of bread. In other words, I don't break bread the same way with everybody else. I break bread with these because the breaking of the bread is the union that we have with Christ. It's the doctrine of the union of Christ. Listen, every day I need to be reminded that I'm united with Christ. Because every day something's trying to unite itself with me. See, communion is your reminder that you've been united with Christ. I don't even know how many. I think it's, three, it's 252 times in the, in the Pauline epistles where Paul uses the idiom in Christ. He uses it over and over and over again to remind us that idiom in Christ to talk about our union with him and how much we need to be reminded of our union with him because everything in the world is always trying to uh, 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 unite itself. Depression tries to unite with you. Hate tries to unite with you. Discouragement tries to unite with you. And if you're not functionally walking in the mindset of the fact that you have been united with Christ, depression will overtake you. Losing your mind will overtake you. Needing money and more money and greed and, and all, all these, it will overtake you if you're not walking in a constant mindset. I'm in Christ. Finally, I got to move. I got to move. I move. So they were committed to the apostles' teaching. They were committed to the fellowship. They were committed to the breaking of bread. Finally, 
They were, this is powerful. They were committed, and you got to understand the book of Acts to recognize this last one, the prayers. I like that it said S on the end. Because that's what you need. You don't need the prayer, and that's it. You need the prayers. See, y'all, see, y'all know what I'm talking about. See, y'all ain't been through nothing. But see, when you're you living on this planet, you need the prayers. You, need, you don't need, you don't need a, 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 a prayer day keep the devil away. You need, you, you need, you need prayers. All day. That's what the Bible says, pray without ceasing. Because they don't say, you take the initiative. Why does it say this? That they were committed to the prayers. Because they realized that they are now recipients of the manifest presence of God. Oh, my God. See, y'all recognize, in the Old Testament, Abraham, God would talk to him, come down, talk to him, like in Genesis 18, chop it up with him for like a half a day and roll out. When Christ came, God came to live in us. Now, you ain't shout right there yet. I'm going to take you back to the Old Testament again. It says that the temple was made up of the outer court, inner court, holies of holies. The Hebrew says that that tabernacle was a reflection of the way heaven is set up. Amen. So heaven is set up as outer court, inner court, holies of holies, dwelling, manifest presence of God there. The Bible says in 1 Corinthians chapter 3 and 1 Peter chapter 2 that we are a temple. Somebody going to get in a second. And so now the physical temple was a copy of the reality. This temple is a reflection of the reality. So I don't know if you know it or not, but inside of you is a temple that has an outer court, an inner court, and the holies of holies. So in other words, inside of you is the dwelling presence of God. Okay, y'all looking at me funny like I'm not in the Bible. 1 Peter 3.15 says, set aside Jesus as Lord in your hearts. What is the holiest of holy of your hearts? Your mind, your emotions, and your will. His dwelling presence wants to dwell in the place of your core values. When you pray, you are asking God to dissipate your lack of commitment to him and push you in your commitment to him. Because when you pray, it shakes stuff up. Okay, see, y'all, see, see because you're, you, see, because, help me today. Because we don't, uh, help me God, we're more cerebral, we don't recognize this. Help me today. But the Bible says in, 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 in Acts chapter 4, verse 31, it said, and when they came together, they began to pray, and the place that they were in was shaken. No, 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 they didn't shake it. It's because their recognition of God's presence. God was like, I like it when my people come together. So what he did was he shook the building that they were in. You, you should have shouted on that part. But see, y'all think I'm making up stuff and being eisegetical in a descriptive passage versus prescriptive. So let's go on over to another place. The Bible says that Paul and Silas, when they were locked up, prayed and sang praises unto God. What happened? And the foundations was shaken. In other words, when believers get serious about the fact that you are the holies of holies of God, you can live in the manifest presence of God. Who wouldn't want to commit to a life like that? 
who would want to commit to a God said, I'm tabernacled in you. In the midst of your mess, in the midst of your sin, in the midst of your frustration, in the midst of your raggedness, in the midst of what you've done that I've told you not to do over and over and over again, I am enthroned in you. Because of Christ. I got to say this last part. I got to go. I got to go. I got to go. Um, it says, last thing. I like this part. It says, because of the teaching of the apostles, because of the fellowship of the saints, because of the breaking of bread, and because of um, the prayers. It says, and all came upon every soul. <laughs> All is powerful there. My father in the ministry says that all, well, let me go back. The word all here is the word phabeo, which means fear. In other words, when all of this stuff started happening, they got rocked. They, they paused. And it didn't say that, it said this at the soul level is where they were in awe. Now, what does awe mean? My father in the ministry, I love the way he defines it. He says, being in awe of God means to take God seriously. Yeah. <laughs> to take God, that's, that's biblical. It goes back to Proverbs 1, 7. That, that not, that, that, that the, uh, uh, um, it says, the beginning of knowledge is awedness of God or the fear of God. In other words, our lives are taken seriously when we pull close to the means of grace that he's provided from the word of God, the fellowship, prayer, and breaking of bread, recognizing that we're in Christ and living in that reality, walking in the manifest presence of God, being in relationships where we encourage and challenge, and taking the teaching of the word of God is not just a doctrinal statement, but a doctrinal lifestyle. And when that happens, you're rocked. Begin to stand back and look into what it, what it does for you. It's like, what in the world am I doing? You ever woke up from, it's, it's like Nebuchadnezzar who was out in his stupor because of his pride and eating grass and then God sovereignly wakes him up from, from giving him the nature of an animal because of his pride, takes back the nature of an animal, puts the nature of a human being back in him and the Bible says he came to his senses. See, see, see some of us need to come to our senses. God, God hasn't called you to animal senses, he's called you to divine senses. I'm going to get out of your way, but many of us treat the relationship with God like an app store, like an iPhone or something. We believe that we can just see, see, when God defines something definitively, you can't have, like on your phone, you got three GPS apps and two email apps and two eating apps and all of these different apps on your phone that do the exact same thing but differently. And because we like different aspects of different ones, we put all of the different ones on there so that when we feel like being committed to this one, we want to do this one. But on the iPhone in particular, <clears throat> when you push the button and hold it, <clears throat> all the apps shake. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And what you see on some of them is you see an X on top of some of them. Yeah. And some of them you don't see an X on. Right. The, the ones you see an X on is the stuff you put on your phone. The stuff you don't see an X on is the stuff the manufacturer put on your phone. Therefore, 
What happens is, is no matter what you do, you can't remove what the manufacturer put on the phone because you can't unlock what he's put on it for you. But what happens is, is the other stuff is stuff you've added that all you got to do is shake it up when you push that button and it begins to shake like it's fearful of getting deleted. And all you got to do is hold your finger down and push the X and it disappears and nowhere to be found. And you can go through this and you can just go through, oh, I don't need that no more. Oh, I don't need that no more. Oh, I don't need that. What you need to do in your life as you commit to Jesus Christ is you need to hold your soul down like this. And some stuff inside of you is going to begin to shake. And you're going to be like, I love you, but man, not now. Click. Um, I, I've been going there for a long time. I, I know. Click. Um, this is what I know. Uh, dang. Kiss you goodbye. God, um, let me look at this. Dang, man. Do I want to go into this app? No. Click. Click. Some of y'all need to get in the app of your soul and start deleting some stuff that you downloaded but stuff that God didn't download it because the manufacturer has permanent things on you that you're not even taking advantage of. <laughs> when are you going to take advantage of all God giving you through this great salvation? These cheap counterfeits. He's giving you the right mind. He's giving you the new soul. He's giving you the new heart. He's giving you the new relationships. He's giving you the church. Listen, he got a bunch of thugs that you ain't looking at. The problem with us is we want more. Because what happens is, is when you can't appreciate the depth of something, what you do is you download something that you can get to know quickly. And what that leads to is a shallow relationship with it. But see, when, when you know God, and when he gives you a the, it's too much to it for you to learn in a city. Somebody will get that on the way home. And I'm praying for us today as Christians that we would, we would be committed to the thes. The thes, the thes. So that we're like, oh, man, like, like it's a lot of A's. No pun intended. But there's only a few thes. And when you get rid of the A's, the thes make your life simple. Because you, you can just live life on one page. <laughs> but that one page that the manufacturer put on you is more than several pages of stuff that you put on yourself. So I pray today that we recognize that what Christ has done for us is enough and that we grab a hold of his means of grace to take us where he wants us to go. Let's pray. Father, we um, honor you and praise you for your goodness and your mercy, for being our all in all <clears throat> in every single area of our life. <clears throat> and you've given us the strength through the good Lord to be committed to you. Because you first committed yourself to us. And our commitment to you doesn't make us Christian. It's because we are Christians. It doesn't make us transform. It's because we're transformed. It doesn't give us salvation. It's because we have it through Christ. Maybe you're here today and you don't know 
the Savior, the living God, for the great salvation. If that's you, we love to talk to you about what it means to go from spiritual death to spiritual life. Because going from spiritual death to spiritual life is a very simple decision, but it, it had to do with a lot of complexities to be delivered so that we can be delivered. And the greatest complexity is the distance between us and God. When you don't know Christ as Savior, it's complex. Your life is complex and overcomplex because we are trying to overcompensate. The Bible calls that sinfulness. All of us were born into sin. David tells us that he was shaped in sin from his mother's womb and conceived in it. So mama passed him down, daddy passed him down, a sin nature. But Jesus Christ came to be born without a sin nature so that he can be the new Adam who was born without a sin nature. The first Adam walked in futility because he didn't recognize that God gave him so many thes that he went to a tree in the midst of the garden. And many times we don't realize that God has more for us than the very one thing we focus on. But just as a tree separated man from God, Jesus Christ hung on a tree as the fruit of heaven so that we could be reconnected to God. And what God did is he put all of our sins, past, present, and future, on that fruit bearer on the cross, and he burst the fruit from him. And the fruit that we get by faith is the nectar called his blood. And his blood is enough that if you take one taste of it by faith, you are never the same again. Because of his death, God's wrath was satisfied. On the third day, he got up from the grave. You believe in that? You believe that? You spiritually taste it, and you are now transported from spiritual death to spiritual life.